Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to season two of the More Jody podcast. I'm the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself all the time. Trust me, I was born this way and it really can't be stopped. This season, I'm sharing powerful conversations and we go deep right off the hop. Sometimes I'm even thrown off by it. Nothing is off the table. The goal of this podcast is that you will laugh, cry, and realize that you're not alone in your struggles, your challenges, your hopes, your dreams. But I have a warning for you. These conversations will make you want to do more, dig deeper, get honest and curious with yourself, and live braver, bolder lives. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Lisa Osachoff is the Chief People and Culture Officer at the company that I work for, and I look up to her so much. She's strong, vulnerable, honest, and driven, which in my experience is a hard combo to find in women at the top of large organizations. She's passionate about performance, leadership, and organizational culture and doing what she can to impact that for the positive. She's always developing and learning what creates performance and strong leadership and using this insight to inspire our entire organization. It's an honor to learn from her and follow her example. You will be very encouraged by this episode. Good morning, Lisa Osachoff. How are you this morning? I am very good, Jody. How are you? Good. Is it sunny in Manitoba today? You know what? It is sunny, blue sky, lovely weather. Summer in Manitoba is glorious. So Manitoba, I've decided, just has a a PR problem. Um, It's it's better than people think it is. So... (laughs) That's awesome. My, my brother got married there and I only went, oh no, I think I went to two weddings in Manitoba, but I couldn't get over how green and lush it was. It's beautiful. It it, and the, you know what? We have truly four seasons. And even though it's known as the winter pig, um, I really enjoy four seasons. I always yeah. say one of my spirit animals, besides being a, a wolf and a bison is part polar bear. So I I'm, I'm down with the winter. So don't you even have good. polar bears there up north? We do. You up do. in Churchill. Yes, yeah. I can't same. wait to make a, a trek to see my, my spirit animals oh my in gosh. real life. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So yes, I'm, I have my Diana crawl voice on in the morning. It's my morning sexy voice. So you're really lucky to catch that. Um, obviously, obviously. Um, but no, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here. We work for the same company, a company, which I will not name. Um, and I've worked there for three years. You've worked here for how many? Uh, eight and a half. It'll be nine in December this year. Okay. So this is something that you don't know, but when I applied for the company, of course, I researched the company and I went to the leadership page and it had this woman and it said head of people and culture. And I was like, that's a thing. Like being in charge of people and culture. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's who I want to be one day. I did not know this was human resources or that I probably need an HR degree and all these things, blah, blah, blah. But I definitely was like, I want to know more about this woman. And so um, it's been really neat over time because I've met you a couple times at different conferences and stuff. But yep. this year, especially um, during the um, the C word, the COVID times, you have worked so hard at our company and spread so much impact because of your own, well, I'm making this up. I'll let you speak to it in a minute. This is where I ramble and then you can ramble in a minute. But perfect. <laughs> what I what I see is is that role that I saw years ago that I was curious about um and then how you as a person have used that role um because my goal in business is to impact as many people as possible in the culture changing even the narrative like right now everyone because of all these serb checks and this government we have no people applying for jobs, right? And so Ugh. one of the things I said yesterday was like, is everyone having so much fun? <laughs> like we have to be having so much fun every day because it's like, we. what are the little things that we take responsibility for as leaders to keep people present? So I think the thing is, is that I was curious about you and then I've seen you roll stuff out over time, even according to what's happening in your own body and you putting yourself in the p- place of I'm an employee. What is, how does a company support me and yeah. care for me? And so on so many levels, I've seen you actually do it, but I've also just been like, 
you know, tell us about it. And then also like, how do we get maximum impact? How do we um, find those positions that impact people the way we want? And then how do we keep growing? So just like so many, so many things. I was going to say, (laughs) right. So, so I think, I think we want to know today so that the listeners know we're going to learn about your journey and impact and how you did that, how you climbed to where you are, because you are, in my opinion, like you are the big cheese. You are like the head of the head. And I, I love that. I I get really like, we had a conversation one day, this was about two months ago and I forget how old you are, but you told me how old you were. 40. Well, how old am I? I'm 47. 47. 47. Yeah. So I'm 39. And in my opinion, you're, you're it, you're at the top. Like this is the top you've reached it. But then you said to me, you were talking about positioning yourself. And I was like, she still thinks about that. Like she's it. Like she's like, the president, how does the president, the president, like there's gotta be a role above this. So it was, it was just so cool to know that a woman who's so driven and who has, in my opinion, reached what a person would reach for is like still moving and shaking because you're like, yeah, man, I'm only 47. Like I've got places to go. I've got people to impact. So that was like, that's the moment when I was like, I have got to interview this woman. So I will stop talking and I will get you to just tell us about Lisa. Tell us about your life and your life in business and leadership. Well, um, wow. I'm just going to say, wow. Um, I, uh, I do hope I live up to all those questions. Oh, you will. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, I would say the first thing is, uh, my goal in life is to make an impact, but have a good time along the way. I I think we take, our lives sometimes. And I have gone through periods where I've taken my life far too seriously. And uh, when you take it all too seriously, you don't move as fast as you need to go. So that's kind of my first thing. And I, for myself, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, um, oil and gas center of Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad had a small oil and gas services company, entrepreneurial. My mom was a nurse went back to university at full-time at age 40 to extend her career. One of the most, um, I would say that's one of the most impactful things that I saw. And I always use the example and I've written about it in my blog is that um, my mom was really concerned about, oh God, do I go back to school at 40, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, you know, she said, I'm going to be, you know, such and such an age anyway. So I might as well be such and such an age with a university degree. And it was probably, I was about 14 at the time. And I, I really remember thinking, yeah, no matter where you are, even if you think it's too late, too long, too whatever, if you don't start it, you're never going to get there. And I think that was probably a really foundational um, learning lesson I saw from my mom and my dad just being an entrepreneur. Um, I had that. I grew up competitive swimming, playing soccer, riding horses, and then that became my passion, uh, doing hunter jumper, show jumping. Um, I always say I've had really three full careers already in my life. Um, in my 20s, I did a lot with horses, so with international show jumpers and things like that, traveled all over, lived in Memphis, lived in California, lived in Southampton, New York, flew around with horses, Um, you know, definitely, definitely lived my childhood passions, taking care of these amazing animals. And I, I actually do credit most of my leadership skills to, to the, the beautiful animal that's the horse, because they teach you so much about um, patience and what you can do and partnership and um, that you can't do anything by force. Um, everything has to be through influence and the right aids and all of that. And then I, you know, thought, oh, I should grow up and, you know, (laughs) get some sort of real job of some sort. I have a a degree in sociology with a minor in women's studies. And I was like, I should do something in business. And I always had side businesses as a teenager braiding horses. I opened a smoothie stand at horse shows when I was like, you know, a teenager. Oh, I love that. Like I always had some sort of side hustle business going on. Um, and so then I thought, well, I did not want to be in oil and gas. I think I was the one of two people in Alberta that was like, no <laughs> oil and gas for me. So I thought, uh, you know what, I think retail's my thing. And so I 
got into retail, got into retail management. I love the customer. I love the experience. I was always around products and things that I really believed in and had passion about. And then when I was, I guess I was uh, 38 and my husband and I, who I met when I was about 30, I got married at 35. I think my parents were always surprised I did get married, Um, but he's lovely. My Ray is so, so lovely. I always say won the husband lottery. Um, We were thinking of having children and I just couldn't see myself uh, keeping up the, um, the schedule that you needed in that corporate retail overnight splits, things like that. And so I thought, well, what can I do? And I'm like, you know what I'm really good at recruiting because I had to recruit all the time all the time. My teams were 75 employees. I was always losing somebody and always had to go get somebody. So I went into recruiting and then forayed into um, recruiting for the current company we work for. That's how I started at at our company as the recruitment leader and just went into human resources. I do not have a special degree. I always say I'm human resource adjacent because human resources is really the the human capital behind what makes a business tick. So if you understand people and you have an understanding of business and the results we're trying to drive, it just goes together. So that's where I am now. That's where you are. That's incredible. I think when I want to go back to your mom for a moment, because I think so often in life, we have these moments when we make hard choices And we usually don't like, I feel like we all lean towards, now we shouldn't, but we all lean towards like the opinions of others or being stopped by the things. So I feel like frequently a woman would be like, oh, people would think I shouldn't do this now. Instead of like, I feel like women never stop to be like, maybe my daughter will see that I did this and be so inspired that it will push her in her career and her life. And you know what I mean? Like my sister said the other day, cause she's 43, she said, um, and her kids are 17 and 15. And she was like, I just didn't, didn't realize, I guess when I was young, how much life I was going to have when they were gone. Right. Like, she's like, I have a whole life. Like I might live another 45 years. Like, she's like, I could have a whole life, but you, in your mind, we see the traditional society and whatever. And, you know, she was like, I think I'm shocked. Cause in my head as a young person, you're like, oh, well, parents have kids and then they die. <laughs> Like she was right. Like, and she's like, wait a second. Like I'm so young. And so I think it's so cool that, that your mom pushed forward with that, but that Mm -hmm. if we could in those moments tell women, like reverse that thought that's making you insecure and reverse it to a different narrative of like, how many women are you showing them what's possible? I I do think that that's the thing. It's funny. I, I talk about that with my mom now about how that was a big um, impact on me. And she does not see it as that she, you know, I think, I think as a Gen Xer, as a true Xer, as a latchkey kid, as a completely overscheduled kid, um, my, my mom only looks at the mistakes she made, as opposed to all of the impact she had. And, and I always say, I'm like, well, you know what, your mistakes made Brent and I very independent children and really independent adults. So yeah, um, but she it's funny, because I don't know that she gives herself enough credit for that. Um, and I think sometimes that's the thing that women we have to remember, to your point, we don't realize the impact we totally have. We minimize it, just yeah. like she minimizes it. And I'm like, yeah, but it was really impactful for me that I yeah. still carry that. Um, and I think to your point, yeah, we just, we minimize the impacts that we have. Um, I had somebody the other day and, uh, I was meeting with them and, uh, she said, she said, oh, I just, I was so nervous to meet with you. And I said, why? <laughs> she said, well, you're the, you're the, yeah. you're the chief people and culture officer. I'm like, oh, you know what? I said, that's actually where I really, um, and I don't know in this utopian society how we would get there, but I would love to do away with titles because I really do think titles um, become a little bit of a barrier to access. Um, yeah, because I, sure. I said to this person, I said, well, you know, if I didn't have the title, would you feel free to approach me more regularly? And she said, probably. And I said, this is why I don't love titles. Um, and yeah. I'm always cautious with titles that, 
you know, whether you believe in them or not, they have an impact. Um, and I think people have to pay attention to that, particularly women that get into a place where they are carrying a big title. Um, because we often think, well, it's not anything, it doesn't change who I am. But we, right. if we don't acknowledge the fact that it does, it does come before us, like before we arrive, our yeah. title has arrived. Yeah. Um, it, we, we can really miss opportunities to connect and make the impact that we intend to. So yeah, I think it's something that women have to think about. I do think even so in too. your role, like even in, you know, yeah. the roles that you're in and, and as you go into a role as a, as you know, in a, a coach and that like yeah. people will always be intimidated by something. And if we're not aware of that, it, it creates a little bit of a barrier for people to access us, even though that's what we want the most. Well, and I think too, like my goal, and certainly whether it's a goal or not of yours, you do this. And even in one of our first meetings, I was like, you were like, I just booked an hour because we were going to chat. I just knew it. I was like, (laughs) oh, I was like, oh, did I come across as chatty? Um, But, but like, it's like you disarm people. So I think too, for women, um, a call to be disarming. Like I think to not live in that, like, oh, I can be intimidating. I'm going to be intimidating, but to be disarming and to be that person that I always joke, because I have some girlfriends who have like really fancy houses and I always, and as I'm recording here in my bedroom, which um, I was going to say, I love actually, it's very, I love the, I love the the beachy. Yeah, it's a little beachy, it. but like my whole thing is that I want people to feel so comfortable and safe. Like I always joke that when you come to my house, I don't want it, you to, I want you to want to lie down. I want it to feel like I should lay on this couch. I shouldn't just sit here. And so that's the whole thing is as women too, kind of a call to be vulnerable and disarming and, and still have boundaries and stuff, obviously, but to, to be welcoming. And I think, yeah. um, so that's something that, that you do really well. And I think regardless, I think there'll always be titles. Um, but I like it now because it gives me stuff to strive for. When I see women, I know years ago at one of my companies that I was at, the owner said like, what do you, I was sitting at all these tables with men. And at one point I, I, and I'm always coaching and it was a, a life insurance. It had mortgages and insurance. And I met this, this man who was probably 64, five or something. And he was, you know, miss bringing in all the big bucks. And he was, he, he said to my, um, to our administrator, she brought in coffees and he said, pass the sugar, sugar. And I was like, Oh, that's actually Ooh. not her name. Her name's Vicky. <laughs> and it was so funny. Cause I just like, I'm so quick witted. Right. Um, but, and then a few minutes later, I met the girl who was processing all his business and I took her aside and I said, you should be doing what he's doing and bringing in this money. And she was like, what? And I said, do you realize you do 95% of the transaction and you're just not getting the payout the money? Yeah. Like that's, I was bad in that business. I was like, <laughs> you need to move. Like you don't have to, you know, doing this for him. You can do this for you. And I'm so passionate about helping people see something where they didn't see it, where they didn't envision it. And so that's why I love having women at the top because it shows me, oh, I can be, I can do that thing because in the past I've had to picture the narrative or picture the picture, the narrative, picture the picture. And now um, when we see women in those leadership roles, we see ourselves, right? And so that's my favorite thing. And I know that titles can be a barrier, but for me, they serve it. They are an inspiration because that tells me she did it. And when you, and that's the whole premise of this podcast is when people hear you do hard things, they're like, I could do that you know, and and it's so important to me. Um, and going back, I hope your mom listens to this and I hope she understands that, (laughs) that, that was a big deal too, like in the eighties and nineties, because women, the goal was to be selfless. The goal was to lay your whole life down. And now we have a different, um, you know, it is different now, but yeah, that was looked at differently back in the eighties and nineties. And I'm so glad that it's, that it's different now. Um, you know, and and there's, there's still always a call to uh, lots of people say balance is BS, but I still like the term balance because I could do everything in business and spend no time with my kids. So there still needs to be a balance, but I do want them to be like, wow, mom was a really strong figure. Mom loved her people. Mom cared for, you know, people in business and that's what mom did. So I'm proud of your mom. Way, oh, way to go, you. mom. Way me to go, too. mom. 
it's funny you say that about balance too, because I think, I think that we've um, not defined balance in the right way. I think balance is your personal perspective on what balance is. You know, I've had a period, I've had periods in my career where it's, you know, literally workaholic time where, right. it's, you know, 14 hours a day, basically seven days a week, not doing other things. That is not balanced. But for me, um, I love to be busy. So I love to have, yeah. you know, my side hustle of judging. I love to now do my blog. Right. I love to, you know, ride my bike. I love to spend time with my friends. I love to do a lot of things right. um, where some people are like, well, is that balanced? It's balanced for me. Yeah, Variety awesome is balanced. Me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not. Um, and I think people try and put their definition of balance right. as like the definition and it's it balance is very personally relevant. And so we shouldn't be defining balance for people. We should be asking people, what is balance for you and striving to help people achieve that because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Not everybody has the same um, experience, access, energy levels, desires. Um, so it's just not going to be the same. That's so true. Look at I it. love that. I love that because ever since my girlfriends that I do a mastermind with, they're like balance is BS. And I was like, but I like, I like looking for balance. Like yep. sometimes I need to be the life of a party and sometimes I need to nap. Yes. And there that's are the all thing. facets. Yeah. All facets. And it's yeah. different for everybody. And I think that that's where, um, in this sort of new, um, I don't know, new post COVID or wherever we're at with yeah. it, we are putting a lot of judgment around these things of, yeah. well, you know, you have to have the balance. And if you work from home, what is that balance and find the balance and do this. And right. it's all, but we haven't stopped to actually say balance is just absolutely, relative to the perspective that you're in right now and we just I can't define what it is for somebody they have to define that for themselves that is so true because it's just like how we're just all different on every level like my favorite way to relax yeah. at the end of the day is to chop vegetables and to cook I like cooking is right? my absolute favorite thing and so many women are like I feel like a slave in the kitchen and I'm like <laughs> I hope to be a slave in the kitchen my husband and I have you seen the handmaid's <laughs> tale Oh yes. It? Oh my gosh. Yo. My husband's like, you would have wanted to be a Martha so bad. And you actually would have like <laughs> lived your best life. I just lived. Like if I, I said to my girlfriend yesterday, I was making supper and I said, I wish that, that I knew I could enjoy a job cooking for people because I said, I actually don't want to work at a restaurant in the evenings. But I said, like, I am, my favorite thing is to feed people. Food is love to me. I love yeah. to that's how I love to serve people. And she, and then we just got talking about how I'm just such a Martha, <laughs> just such a Martha. Well, I would have loved food it. Is nourishment. And it's, yeah. just, it's part of your nourishment. You have a real desire to nourish people's souls yes. through like food and conversation and connection. And, um, yeah. and I think that's the other thing people, people think that that's, there's only one facet to lots of things and it's nourishment is not just food, but it's, connection, conversation, it's hugs. love, relationship, yeah. hugs, like all of it. So oh, it's I can hug everyone. all day. Okay. Me I'm going to move on. Because, hey. You're a hugger. Okay. Next. Time <coughs> oh, totally. We're totally hugging. Don't elbow high five me. I'm against it. <laughs> Maybe we have to wait six months till we see each other, but don't elbow high five me. Okay. So Do I that. have some, I have some really good questions that I really okay. want your answers on. Shoot. So First of all, what were the toughest obstacles that you faced in your current career along the way? Were they mental or literal bridges or? Um, for me, I would say for sure they were my own personal obstacles. Um, it's funny. I was talking about this with somebody on my team recently um, and our current CEO, I do have to, I won't name who he is, but um, he's amazing. He's a real human being. And mm -hmm. he provided me so much opportunity and support and belief and leeway to make mistakes along the way. And every time I questioned myself, like I, I do remember sometimes saying to him, um, are you sure you don't want me to just stay in this role? We can hire somebody above me. Oh. And he, he was like, no, 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 oh. good. 
you'll learn, you're growing into it. And, and I think because I have, I didn't arrive in this role fully baked. I've really grown into the role. Um, I think the biggest obstacles honestly were me um, Mm. being hard on myself when I've made leadership mistakes, um, being hard on myself when I probably shouldn't have been being harder on myself than, um, than just I needed to be. Um, and that's, I think the, the reference to don't take it all so seriously. Um, but I think that was probably my biggest thing. And I would say I relaxed into my current space probably about two years ago. Um, Because in one form or another, I've been doing essentially the same thing, but getting different portfolios added since 2016. Um, But just things keep getting added to me. But functionally and who I report to and how I interact and the team I'm part of in the organization hasn't really changed. Right. But I've just had more exposure, more access, more opportunities for portfolios and things like that. So it was more believing in myself, I think. Um, and I hate when people say, oh, imposter syndrome. Like, that's just not a thing. It's totally a thing. Such a thing. It's totally a thing. And yeah. I absolutely remember sitting in my office sometimes thinking, at some point, they're going to find out I'm just not qualified. And, you know, I don't remember saying that to myself. But the more I looked around and thought, eh, you know what? Everybody kind of thinks that at some point. Totally. I, it's okay for me to as well. But as long as it doesn't stop me, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, I always say it's how the devil lies to you. So it's like, yes. you're like, not enough, not enough, like striving, striving, striving. And then like you get, you know, whether it's a larger platform or a different position and then, and you do have what you'd been looking for. And then you're like, I don't deserve to be here. Yes. I'm totally not enough. I'm totally. And it's such a funny, I always say like, watch for how the devil lies to you because it will be like, not enough, not enough, not enough. And mm-hmm. then how dare you now you're too much. Yeah. Right. Like it's such a funny thing. I have. So it's funny. I haven't necessarily worked with an executive coach per se, but I have worked with, you know, I suppose she would call herself a life coach or something like that. Um, And that's probably what I worked on the most in my forties is, you know, being able to say I'm enough. I'm actually, I'm totally fucking enough. Like, yeah, I'm awesome. You know, and, and that's, that's good, but it probably, that only really came about two years ago in that I could fully step into it. Yeah. And even in the hard rumbles that I could still be like, this is a hard sticky spot, but I'm still enough. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that's the test of if you really believe you're enough. Well, and I think continually deciding that you're going to step up no matter what, yeah. whether yeah. you like, cause when obstacles come up for me in, in my offices, I, d- I have to fix it no matter what. Like these are, these are my responsibilities. So whether or not I think I'm qualified, I'm doing it. That's right. And, and so I, I think just continually rising strong and stepping mm-hmm. into whatever you're called to step into at that time. And I think that's, that's just life, whether it's family issues. I always say to people like, just keep coming home to the same address, keep showing yeah. up with that spouse, keep having the conversation. Just don't, don't stop. Always be stepping yeah. forward. Um, now you mentioned, I recorded an episode with a girl in oil and gas, um, Marsha Peacock, and you and I chatted after that because she had said she worked really hard to blend in. And, oh, yeah. and you were like, that was interesting to me because I never wanted to blend in. I always wanted to stand out. I feel the same desire in me. Like I want to stand out when I have, I know coming up here, I have a phone conversation with somebody like four levels above me in the company wanting my perspective. And I look at those as like opportune. Like, I'm like, this is my moment. I'm going to be so articulate. I want him to get off the phone and be like, dang, that girl is so smart. Like she sees business differently. Like that's, Mm -hmm. I want to stand out too. Um, so what were the ways that you've tried to stand out or do you have anything to say about standing out in business? It, I wish I could say it was that intentional. I think I didn't have any other choice. I just oh, knew okay. I wasn't, um, I really wasn't the same. Um, even now, you know, I'll go to a, you know, a CHR chief human resources round table or something. And I remember going to one shortly before COVID and um, I came home and I said to my husband, I said, 
oh, babe, I just do not fit in. You know, they're, they're all serious and they're just all, you know, yeah. they're all just trying to, I don't know. And, and I'm just like, oh, okay. We are just talking about, you know, like performance cycles, right? Like I thought we were, it was just seeming really serious there for a moment. So <laughs> it just, like, our, so I just know that um, I just, have not fit in in lots of places so it wasn't even uh I don't even know if it was a a conscious choice in the beginning but what I will say is I've grown into this place where I I no longer try and I don't know that I even when I did try it never worked um so I don't try anymore and if I don't if the space doesn't allow for me to be who I am I'm not in the right space Oh, that's what that. I know. And so, and you know that in your being, Oh yeah, you know that you feel when that I have left jobs, it's always within the first six months, the two bad jobs I've had in my life. I knew within the first 30 days and I left within six months because I knew I couldn't be myself and I wasn't going to fit in. I couldn't, I, I couldn't yeah. pretzel myself to fit into who they needed. And yeah. I just knew I was in the wrong space, working for the wrong people. Yeah. And, so, and, and listening to that, yeah. listening to that, you know, like that's, that's phenomenal. I definitely stayed at a company for 10 years that within the first like three hours, I feel like I knew it was a bad choice and oh. I stayed there for so long. And I, I definitely think even when you talk about our leadership, um, believing in you almost before you believed in yourself, I had none of that at this company. And then when I left there and went to the next place, I like came alive in business. If you had asked me what I'd be doing, what I'd be doing now, I would have been like, no, I can't stand those people. <laughs> now I'm those people. Right. <laughs> but, but it was, and then that, that, then I had an executive coach who said, who do you want to be as a leader? You write yeah. it out and then you step into it every day. And I was like, what? Yes. And so then yeah. I started stepping into who I just would respect, who I would admire, who I would want to be. And it was, it was so much more simple, but yeah, like that one person taking that time to believe in you, like changes uh -huh. everything. Um, okay. So what's the best part of being on a senior leadership team? What's your favorite part? Um, honestly, my favorite part, uh, and I, I can only say the one that I'm on currently, I would say it's the, it's the people. Um, it's always, it's always going to be the people, but beyond that, I do actually think, and, and I would say our leadership team as well is really coming into their own space of, um, we all play critical roles in our own function. So it's interesting when you said at the beginning, you know, you felt like I, I kind of took hold and in the pandemic, did my part as people and culture because that's the role I play on that team because yeah. we have a, a COO who's really good at understanding how to put things together and make things work and we have a CFRO who's very passionate about making sure that we do things that you know are within our means that don't burn people out right. in the process that like our strategy officer has the vision and you know our chief business development officer just never puts a limit on himself. And that's where I'm like, I get inspired by, by their excellence and their functions. And like I say, we're really led by a very, a very human CEO um, that frankly, then it inspires me to feel accountable that if I don't bring my best, right. I'm kind of letting my teammates down. I have to bring my best in my function. Otherwise, I don't belong there. Oh, I don't deserve that spot. Right. I think that's in, like my dream about senior leadership is all the strategic planning. <laughs> I yeah. just picture your meetings and I'm like, oh, that'd be so fun to be like, <laughs> Hey guys, we have like all these offices. We have a bazillion people that we're, you know, working with like how, like I just, Oh, it, it feels like the, like the puppet maker, or the puppeteer, whatever those people are called. Um, but I just, I think we that's should totally tape our meetings sometime and really <sighs> let people know what they're about. Cause sometimes, uh, I mean, we fall into the same thing. We get too far in the weeds. We don't stay at a strategic enough level. We have to back ourselves out and say, no, no, we have great people. Let them go solve that problem. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's surprising how human everybody is, no matter where they are. 
Totally. I think as you get further down, you feel like um, something I've struggled with just personally in my life because I did a challenge called 75 hard. And the whole thing with 75 hard was either you are perfect or you fail and start over. And that became a really negative thing for me because it became like, if it's either perfection or it's you suck. I was like, so anyway, I did that for 75 days and then I tried to do it again. And then after I came off of it, I really realized how bad that was for me just because I'm like, no, it's not perfection or failure. Um, And so I think a lot of times lower in business where you guys look at it as like, just like a pivot, like, oh, we're going to do this. And then we pivoted because we weren't strategic enough or whatever, or we weren't focused enough. And I think in my first couple of years in my role here, I felt like it was perfection or failure. Either I made budget or I suck. And 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 I, I look at people who'd been in my role for years because I don't do well sitting in a place where I'm constantly failing. Like I'm a winner. I'm not going to yeah. sit here and lose. And so, um, which is a good thing to have people like that striving for the company, but not healthy for me, my own mental health, right? Yeah. And I would look at people who've done it for years and I'm like, how do they stay here? How do they keep like winning one month, failing the next and actually feeling okay like I'm, I was going home for a while being like, well, I'm a loser. And then we'd have a problem with the budget because of something that was like out of our control or like someone took a ton of business or whatever. And I, once again, was taking that on as my own personal weight. Um, but it's about pivoting. And I think, mm-hmm. I think with the leader I have now who I adore, I hope she's listening. She's probably not listening, but I adore <laughs> her. She's my favorite leader I've had so far. And she is like the queen of creativity. So it's not, and so I think I think now I feel like I could stay in the role I'm in now for a really long time because it's all about like, okay, so no one is applying for jobs in this province because of the government giving out money. Okay, how do we, where do we, where do we go find the people who are showing up right now? How do yeah. we offer them a better job than they have right now? Who do we go after? So it's like the, the my thrill of fi- figuring out how to pivot versus, you know, winning and failing because they're not 100%. right. Like it, and it, and that's what it is in business is it's constantly pivoting. But when I would look at how I felt at the end of the day, I felt like I was winning or losing and I don't feel good when I'm losing. And um, so I love that you say that it's about that pivot. It's about finding the best people and then running your best race together, being, and bringing all you have to that team, because out of that even natural accountability of like, if you're going to bring your best, I'm going to bring my best. Like we all want to thrive together. And that's incredible. We've talked a little bit about your, your journey, how you did it, um, how you kind of position yourself. Do you have any advice about positioning yourself within a business? Like there's an element of running your race and then there's an element of taking risks and bigger steps. And what's your advice on that? That's maybe too vague. I just want to like, no, no, that's uh, so I am a really big believer in um, the quote. I use it with my team all the time. The Theodore Roosevelt comparison is the thief of joy. I, I use that all the time. So I do think it's really important. People run their own race. And the reason is, is because you are tied to your values and your integrity. And so how you run your race is going to be as important as where you end up in your race. And if you constantly compare yourself, you are going to get into a space where um, you may feel like you have no other options to win, but to sacrifice certain things that are really important to your core. And to me, the people that become successful and whatever that success is defined as they're running their own race but the second thing is is i do think it's a combination i think that there are times where you have to take bigger steps you have to evaluate even just from a logical business perspective when is the right time to take a risk um i always have a theme word for my year um that i try and encompass my year and and this year it's it's consistency and what consistency Mm -hmm. is for me is uh consistency is not about perfection it's a dial i can turn it up i can turn it down but i cannot turn it off and so that's what i look at there's certain things that good at even for myself where, you know, I could feel incredibly passionate, say about a particular initiative that I want to put forward. Um, And so I will take the risk and put it forward. But what I have to understand is that 
if there's not buy-in, at what point do I have to, I've taken the risk, I've taken the big step to put it forward, but I can't just stay in those big steps. If I don't get buy-in, if it's not the right alignment, I do have to go back and take that more middle step, that smaller step and stay in alignment with my team. Because I think that when people just take big steps, you feel them in the space. They're just in the space and they're just taking big steps all over you. So it to me is the dial. It's that sometimes you're gonna take big steps, sometimes you're not, but you're just never gonna stop running your race. And that's to me the real art of managing your career. Um, that's to me where, where I describe to people, you wanna manage your career, that's how you do it. You have to look around and even if you're, you know, there's initiatives that I think, oh, why sh we should just do this, um, makes so much sense. But then if I look at the total enterprise landscape, okay, well, does it still make the same amount of sense, even though I'm passionate about it? Maybe not for where right. our ultimate goal is. So I can't keep staying in my big step and trying to run everybody over. I have to, I've done it. Okay, I have to step back. Okay, we have to go together. And I'm going to give my my big step over to this initiative over there, even though it might be not one I'm super passionate about, but I still get behind it. So I think that's yeah. the thing on how to manage your career. Stay in your own race, but be a dial. Big picture and little picture. Yep. Right. I think, and, and one of the things um, that I've been working on personally is I'm, I'm a very natural leader. It's my jam. I want to bring people with me. I want to bring people together. But something I've been working on in the last little bit is my management. Mm. Because technically I'm a manager. And I always tell people yep. like, I don't want to have to manage you. So don't make me manage you. Like, that's not my mm -hmm. thing. Right. But realizing that I was using that almost as like a, um, not an excuse. It was almost, I think I would say like, oh, I'm not really a manager. I'm more of a leader in a way of like, so I'm not going to manage this thing because I think it's stupid was probably what I really felt in my heart, like certain things. Um, but what I really realized was, is that's all part. It's all one thing. I have to, like, I have to be all those things. I have all those facets and I want to, in, in I want to improve on my management facets. So that's mm -hmm. kind of what I've worked on in the last six months. And it, and I think it's about staying curious about your weaknesses. Cause I knew that was a weakness and you can use it and just be like, you know, blow it off. Like, oh, well, I'm more of a leader than a manager, right? Like, yeah. So no. making myself care about some yeah. of that stuff. And, and that's been a fun way for me to stay curious, but look at where I am right now and be like, Kate, but where could you really improve? Yes. You bring people together. Yes. We have, we, my offices have hundred percent engagement, which is like, I cried. I literally, I literally <laughs> sobbed because I think when I got here, it was 18%. And I was like, people are everything to me and having them like, my whole goal is that they will love their day. They will feel supported and cared for and genuinely like it's not fake. Yeah. It's, you can't fake that stuff. Right. And so definitely, um, staying really curious about my weaknesses. And I think a lot of people don't want to look at those, right? Like they don't want to look yeah. at their weaknesses. I think I spend more time. I know I spent a lot of time in my career spending more time on my weaknesses than I probably should have. I, I am oh, that okay. person that is like, uh, okay, you know, and really it's only been in the last, you know, again, five, seven years where I'm like, okay, I recognize those are my weaknesses and I've mitigated them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny that you say the leadership and the management because my mantra is you manage things and you lead people. And that goes yeah. right back to the horse thing is that, you know, you get the horse ready, you put the boots on, you pick their feet, you get them brushed. Those are, that's the management of the horse. Yeah. When you're on the horse, it's an influence and leadership piece. It's, it, it's not there, but you need both. And I would say that I've seen people be super successful as managers and they can only get to a certain level. I've seen right. people be super successful as leaders and they can only get to a certain level. You have to have the full picture because there are in our culture and the way our, our organizations tend to work, there's no getting around that you need to manage some stuff. You always yeah. need to yeah. manage some stuff. 
Yeah. And you do have to lead the people and influence the people because I've never, I've never come across a, a sustainable model where it's uh, stick overhead, beat people to get a right. result. You may get a result for a short term, but it's not sustainable. It's not scalable. So no. it's the combination. And that's what will ultimately, so it's really good that you've identified that it is the management, it is the discipline, yeah. it is that structure. Um, that's what will elevate um, totally. a leadership piece. For that's sure. really cool. And, and it's funny because the partner that I work with, if you look at us like on a personality test or anything, we're very polar opposites. So we've kind of always originally been like, oh, well, we make up each other's weaknesses. Okay. But that, that's great. But doesn't, you want to grow more individually still, yeah. right? Like don't take that and be like, Oh, but I've got her. Like she's my person. It's fine. <laughs> and we always talked in my last business about, cause it was a small startup, single points of failure. And he put, yeah. always like, and our big joke is always like, if I get hit by a bus today and now no one else knows how to do this thing. Right. And 100%. you notice that in a startup because, you know, but really we can't function that different from a startup because it's like, we all have to know all the things. Um, right. And stuff. So no, I love, and I love what you say about horses because it's, you know, you see my biggest thing is not leading out of insecurity. When I feel insecure about something, I call it out. I'm like, Hey guys, I don't truly know how to do this. I will get you the answer, but just being honest and it's good for your own mental health. Right. And you don't feel like you're going to be found out. They're not going to, you know, find out or whatever. Cause you've owned it from the beginning. I'm a little insecure about this, but I'm going to do it. I, I was, um, we were really short staffed one day and I was helping out and I was talking to clients and I pride myself on being like the king of sales. Like I'm like, <laughs> I will, I will sell ice to an Eskimo. Like, and I talked to this, this lady who's probably in her eighties and I, no matter what I did, she basically took every coverage off her policy. And it was, like, oh, I came out of the <laughs> office and I was like, guys, I feel beaten down. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, I always tell you, like, you got to sell the value, blah, blah, blah. And this woman, like, she was like, nope, don't need that. I'm like, well, if your sewer backs up, like, you know, that's really, that's a lot of mess and it's really expensive. Yep. I don't need that. And I was like, and no matter what I said, she took everything <laughs> off. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. And so it's those moments, right. Where it's like, I'm the same as you, we're all the same, but we have we're to, all the same. Yep. maybe my creativity will work with the next client or whatever. But yeah, like I think owning that and not being like hiding that. Yeah. That woman just took off every coverage I wanted her to have that she truly needed. It wasn't like yeah. fluff. It was like real stuff, but she was not having it. And you know, it's, it's such a funny thing. And so, yeah, I think definitely staying curious, but I love that about thinking it like working with a horse because you oh. can't force them and it doesn't get you what you want. And so one of my, oh. one of my goals as a, as a really young person years ago was that I wanted to rise up in business, but I didn't want to get too much of an edge. And that's one of my things that mm. I think is that I, I'm really I drawn, drawn to you um, because I had a woman and I worked at um, TD insurance for a really long time. Um, and there was a woman there who was, I think either our new CEO, I forget what she was, but she was coming around visiting and she had they, they put people forward. You should chat with these people. And I was one of the people yeah. and she, we were sitting one-on-one and she said, I see so much of myself in you, Jody." And I was like, Oh my gosh, she sees herself <laughs> in me. Like, um, it was one of those moments. Um, but she was an ice cube. She yeah. was not vulnerable. She was so cold. And, and as much as I was like thrilled, I was also kind of scared. Um, because I thought to myself, I don't want to become like, I want to rise up, but I still want to laugh. I want to make jokes. I want to love people. I want to, um, you know, see it from a different angle. Um, and so it's cool because I see that in you, I see that you've worked your butt off. You've been humble and kind, and you've still risen up and you're still being humble and kind at the top and leading through that. And I think that there's no greater place to lead through than humility. My you know? team actually loves, I, I often share my failures with my team and um, I have quarterly touch bases with um, the functional groups of all my teams. So HR, total rewards, L&D, recruitment, comms, marketing, brand, like all of them. I go every quarter, meet with that whole team. And uh, in May, I was meeting with the HRBP team. And I just, I got on and I was like, oh guys, I'm just languishing. 
I'm, I'm super sad about this other issue that's going on with somebody and it's just got me down and I, I started to cry Aww. and I was like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm totally languishing here. I'm like, how are y'all doing? And are you languishing? And we just had an hour conversation about like, how are we all doing through this pandemic and just some of these sad situations and afterwards um, and even like a month later, some of them reached out and were like, I just, you know, I have to say like, and I don't, I don't mind if people cry. It never feels awesome if you're the one crying. Right. Um, but I think it's just a human emotion. And if I think I want people to laugh, I have to make space for people to cry too. And totally. I hopefully want that space for me. Um, but it does make you vulnerable as a leader when you show up to your team yeah. and you might be crying. Um, and they're like, we just love that about you, that you're just like willing yeah. to cry. And I'm like, yep <laughs> that's me I can't, and I said I just said I'm like the thing is I just can't help it like yeah if I could I might but I just can't so it is what it is I think you have to show up as the human and if you've lost to me that's the part in the race that you've lost if you lose your humanity in your own race no matter how big your steps are you've kind of lost anyway and so I don't want to be successful if I have to give that up um, I just, again, know I'm not in the right space for what defines that as success. Cause that's just not my thing. I don't no. want to do that. Well, and I, I, my big thing with new people, um, is I will be honest with you when I make a mistake because all I want you, we can fix basically anything, you know, we can fix almost any problem we have. If we're honest and we're yep. upfront about it, we can fix it. So it's like about owning it. And I'll, I'll even call it out and be like, see, I screwed this up, but we're fixing it. So I screw things up yep. too. Like it's important to know. And then, and it gives, I think the more we allow, we allow space for um, humanity, if you want to call it that, then, then it just encourages more honesty all across the board. Then we're, yeah. we're, we're problem finders. Yes. Like we're problem finders and solution seekers. We're not problem solving. We're finding it before it's a yes. problem. We're finding it when it's like, yeah. I'm always like, if you think that client is like going to call me tomorrow and be like, lady, these people, blah, blah, blah. I said, you tell me ahead of time. I want to yes. always know the second, if in your gut, you're like, I have a feeling this person's going to come back to Jodes. You need to give me a heads up. You know, like, it's like own it before it's a problem. Solve yeah. it before it's a problem. Right. Like, yeah. and, and being solution or being problem finders, I think is so important in business. And, but that means owning our mistakes or owning our potential. Totally. Like this might not go the way I hoped it was going to go. Or, <laughs> you know, I always say too, my, one of my favorite things is language. And mm. I'll always tell people, I'm like, if you have an email and you want a certain response from that person, you come ask me. Cause I love to like, to, you can really get what you want if you go about it the right way. A lot of times. I fully believe that. Yeah. I but you really have to slow that. down. You really have to slow down and be articulate and think through, put yourself in that person's shoes, yeah. you know, all the things, but you really can get what you want. So I said to you yesterday, always ask for what you want when you ask I know, for this that's meeting what today. And that's, that's totally how I go about it. I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, eh, this would be better. I could do both, but I'm going to ask for this because I always ask for what I want I and I think so important yeah if if people don't you know a I always think don't not ask me because what if I can just do it then aren't you happy and then aren't I happier that I did what you wanted totally so and I always say when people ask for both of us when people ask, I have a whole video about this probably like six months ago. I always say, ask for what you want, because when my staff ask and they, they like, don't want to tell me what they want, they're like, oh, so I, um, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to say yes to anything the way you're asking it right now, because I don't want to, I don't want to honor this behavior. <laughs> so you say, Hey, this is what I'd really like. Is this something we think we can do? And then I'm like, I will, I will try. I will do everything in my power. If you have the courage to ask for what you want. But don't yep. be like, because then I don't want to do anything. I want to be like, go back to your desk and do not ask me that way. Right. So don't always ask for what you want. That is like such an important thing in life. Totally. Um, how would you describe your career journey if I made you put it into one word? Um, resilient. 
Oh, I love that. And consistency. I know that's not your word. I, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. You can turn it on. You can turn it up. You can turn it down, but you can't turn it off. But yeah, Don't resilient. Off. Yeah. Can you tell us how the power of influence and how being at the top allows you to impact positive change? It, this is, that's such a good question because I will say, you know, with, um, as you're aware, we've, we've really started and just started to find our path around the diversity and inclusion right. question that's so prevalent in our culture right now. And I think it's going to, now that it's here and it's a bigger question, it's not going away. So we right. have to find a way to fold it in. And so I think that the, the piece on influence for me was really always being aware that no matter if I'm uncomfortable with it or not, I do have the power to make some changes. Mm -hmm. So I look at it and I say, if not you, then who? So uh -huh, if I, I think I'm not going to do something but I still want it done. Well, who am, who exactly am I thinking feels somehow empowered enough to be able to do that? I should be the first one out. And once I do that, then it catches like wildfire and people will just come out of the woodwork and help the cause. If I don't take the opportunity to make that happen, I don't know that the organization even stands a chance to follow. So even with the pandemic on wellness, I think if we hadn't started early to normalize the conversation around wellness with our people, I don't know that our leaders throughout the organization would have felt as open to talk about wellness. My favorite part is, if not you, then who? Because then that who? is, that is the that's quote. that's all you have to know. That's all you have to know. If not you, then who? And I, and I love that because yeah. the gist of that whole thing is, yeah, like, especially if you, it's funny because I love change and I freak people out because I'm like, let's do it. Like, I love that you bring out change and I love, I think you're just like a soul sister. I gotta say, I feel like I, we're I just like that, but I do yeah. want, I do want people to know, like, I do feel that, but I will say again, it wouldn't have happened if my peers were not on board with it. Yeah. You know, when I bring that forward and I say, I don't want to call a sick time anymore. And I don't want to say mental health days. I want to say wellness because that's what we're striving for. And they're all like, that's awesome. Do yeah, it. Great right? idea. It, yeah. It's, it's so it's not that, you know, sometimes I think that I'm, it's just my ideas and the, the work I do tends to be more public. But I will say, you know, our, our financial officer and, you know, our strategy officer, they do awesome things too. Sometimes they're just not as visible. Right. So I, I have right. the fortunate and sometimes the unfortunate because when stuff goes out under my signature, right. I do get lots of responses. Right. Always. I always get lots of responses, which I love actually. Yeah. Good, bad, or otherwise. I think feedback's important. Well, I love that. Awesome. I love that. Changing things for the better, having a team that you can convince and then that goes along with you if it's not as, yeah. you know, like, I think that's phenomenal. Okay. Last question. Yeah. What advice do you have for a driven, passionate woman like me about to turn 40 and longing to make maximum impact on people? Be my big sister. What would you tell me? I would tell you, keep going, keep, keep going, going, keep going and look look ahead, but don't necessarily look to the left and right. Keep looking Ooh. ahead, keep driving forward. Because um, when you look ahead, you'll be able to see that turn you might want to make, the path you might want to keep going on, or the U-turn that right. is going to take you somewhere you didn't think you wanted to go. But I think when people spend too much time, that's the comparison game. And that's the, you just have to keep going, you know, in fox hunting in Ireland, um, it's crazy. And so, you know, you're galloping through the fields, jumping over fences and people fall off left and right. And all you do is you say to somebody, are you okay? And you just keep going. <laughs> 
somebody <laughs> is going to get them and somebody will help them. But if you don't keep going, you're going to land in the dirt just like them. So are you okay? Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I wish Keep people could see you. <laughs> I wish they could see you acting that out because I feel like I can see you in Ireland doing that. Well, and that's, that's, that's such good advice. And I think honestly, I don't, I I've never had a struggle with comparison. Truthfully. Um, I, I usually find that I'm like, if someone's doing something great, I'm actually like really encouraged that I could do something like that. I see it a little bit more that way. And that's something I'm really, really thankful for. Um, but I do think, because I look at everybody as like, I, I see that we all have a part to play. They're all different. We all have a different life to lead. And the, and the beauty is that there's no scarcity. So even when I lose staff, yes. I'm like, even when I lose, I had someone who I've lost, they want to move to a different town. So like, I can't help that. And we've had a great time. Like I'm mostly just sad because I love them and they fit in so good with my team. But like I said, there's no scarcity here. Like I'm going to get what's meant to be for me. You're going to get what's meant to be for you. And it helps you just continually love people and push them. And because my favorite thing is succession. Like I live Mm -hmm. to be like, what do you really want next? And I do it all the time, you know, with people. And it's, that's why that's one of my favorite things about working for this big company is that there's so much and the company supports and thrives and loves succession. Right. And so my favorite thing is to help people succession plan, but it's that sort of thing where I could look at it as, well, I'm going to lose you now. How am I going to run my business? But I'm like, no, I will get what's meant for me and you will get what's meant for you. And we're all going to be fine. And it's made, it's made for such great relationships and for true, honest, like care and concern, because it's not about what, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for whatever? Right. And so I think, yeah, the don't look to the left and right. Don't try to be like everybody else. If you feel like just go forward in your own way, because I know a lot of leaders don't think the way I think in that way, but I'm mm-hmm. glad, I'm glad because I want to be different and I want to be an example. Right. And there is no scarcity. I would say the other thing that I think is important is to try and narrow where you think success is. Right. Like try and get a, a like a, a bullseye, a big circle, a middle circle and a little circle. So at least when you land on one of the circles, you know, you've encountered success. Cause I do think sometimes people that have a lot of drive don't realize the success they've had and that 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 success will beget more success. So I think defining what that success is um, and that it is actually rarely about it. it, For me personally, it had nothing to do with title, had everything to do about access to work. My biggest thing is I want impact. It's not what the world tells you. It is what you see. But I do love that idea of a bullseye and multiple levels because I never really look at where I am now in terms of success. Cause I'm like, how much, how much impact do I have? How much is, how much reach do I have? How much can I help people? Because people are looking at you as already successful. So if you don't celebrate your own success, you also don't make it okay for others to celebrate their success. Because it is still that, you know, people still, if they're, if they're not in that space where they're not comparing, they're looking at that going, well, I think she's really successful and she doesn't think that. (laughs) So I can't be open to my own success because, you know, and so that's, and as a leader, that's one of the things you have to think about, I think, is that you already are successful if you want more, what is it? Define that and then run forward, look yeah. forward and don't look to the left and right. Well, because it could be too daunting too. Cause if people are like, she doesn't yeah. think she's successful at that level, what's happening. But yeah. I want, I want to bring women with me. I always want yes. to bring more women along in the journey and, um, and enjoy it so that other people want to do that thing and celebrate it as you go for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Lisa, you're the best. This has been great. I love this. Oh my God. I love this. So so fun. It's like our own good morning, America. Good morning, Canada. And welcome to the Lisa and Jody show. No, this was such a fun conversation and you have, you're just such a wealth of wisdom and kindness and love and just joy like exudes out of you, my friend. And I am like, so thankful that you shared all these, shared your life and your 
your hopes and dreams for all of us because we will take this. And if not you, then who? I think that's like, it's a few good quotes from this, but that's probably my favorite. Thank you. And thank you for just bringing this to all of us that want to learn and be better. Oh, that's what you do. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, more Jody listeners. First of all, thank you for spending your time with me today and being here. I love what I am doing. I can't believe how much fun I'm having sharing these stories with you guys. So please like, subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with one of your friends that you think really needs to hear it. And don't hesitate to send me a message and let me know what you'd like to hear more of on this podcast. Have an awesome day and choose to make the world a better place.